You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, welcome to Built for the Stage podcast. This is Joe Roscoe, founder of Built for the Stage, Broadway's number one fitness platform. If you want to try a free trial, go to the website builtforthestage.com or click the link in the description of this episode and you can work for seven days with your own Broadway fitness coach on an online app. So check it out. No catch, no gimmicks. Builtforthestage.com. If you like Built for the Stage podcast, please rate, subscribe, and leave a comment. It'd be greatly appreciated. All right, please enjoy this conversation. I say it all the time, we have an exciting one for you, but it's exciting, it is. We have Timothy Hughes in the house. I've been a longtime follower and fan of Tim's um, from a distance. Just DM'd him, was like, hey, would you be willing to be on the podcast? And he's so nice. He is here. He is on the podcast. We were in the elevator together. This man was moving and drops his like screwdriver and all of his tools. And, and there's Tim. He's like, hey, man, don't even worry about it. His hands were full. And he bends over and he's picking up this stuff for him. And then he comes in here and our mic's falling apart. He's fixing that. So he's a good dude. <laughs> I could tell already. So welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad we finally made this happen. If you want to follow Tim on Instagram, if you aren't already, go to Timothy R. Hughes, H-U-G-H-E-S, and give him a follow. He's got a cool page. He was just Woody for Halloween. Yep, yeah. We're sitting here in the beginning of November, um, so Halloween just was upon us. And uh, you make a good Woody. <laughs> we actually went as a cast. We had a little like group costume contest for the Broadway Bowling League. Mm. Um, so I was trying to come up with something that was easily um, accessible for all participation levels, like either go full out or just or just be like a little alien from Toy yeah, Story. Yeah. So there's a lot, a full spectrum of ideas you could choose from. For yeah, the, for I'd probably go with like the toy soldier where you can just paint yourself green. That's good, like, yeah, yeah. And boom. nobody went as like Barbie and Ken, which I thought was like an easy fallback. That would have been easy as well. Yeah, yeah. I love Toy Story. Uh, I have a friend that was in the musical on like a cruise ship. Yeah. And I'm a huge like cross my fingers fan of like, hey, bring it to the Broadway. Yeah, I think it'd be a great story for Broadway. And you could be Woody. Actually, <laughs> I went in for that part on the cruise ship way oh, back in the day. There you go. And at the final call, they were like, we just don't think you're woody enough. And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> but And why would I ever have made it to the final call if I wasn't like enough like woody? But yeah, 
Well, let's, that's one of the topics I wanted to get into was a type, like your character type, right? Mm-hmm. And you're you're a tall guy. Yep, I'm 6'7". You're 6'7". I'm glad we're sitting here. We are on IGTV as well. Um, so my height is really not revealed as much next to you because we are just <laughs> sitting. So uh, lucky for me. But some people would uh, feel as if though, and maybe you did at one point, that you could be kind of pigeonholed into this certain category of like, mm, that's the tall guy or mm-hmm. that's too tall or others out there. I'm the redhead, I'm uh, too white, too black, I'm uh, too uh, much of a classic classical singer, I'm not pop enough, things like that. Mm-hmm. Can you share some of the times that the tall thing, if, I, if you would allow me to say that, yeah. was in your favor or not in your favor and how you finally, if there was a moment where it was like, you know what, I'm gonna make this work for me. Well, I always say it makes it or breaks it. At the end of the day, people are either interested in having a full spectrum of heights and a cast that represents all types of people, or there's a uniformity to them that I I will never fit into. Um, And I kind of knew that going in to starting my career when I first finished college. And I always made it a goal to be to get in with shows on the ground level um, because I am such a specific puzzle piece. If I create the track, then it's gonna be easier for me to be be a part of the show as opposed to going in and fitting into somebody else's track that's already established. Like I'll I'll rarely replace. Especially with just the costume game alone, like with the cost of costumes, they don't want to. They don't want to let out the hem. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) They probably don't have enough sometimes. (laughs) Right. so I knew that that was part of my strategy was um, getting in on, on the developmental stages of shows in order to create something that is specific to me where my height would then come in um, and be uh, an advantage for myself, right. which I was lucky enough to be able um, to be able to do. But for sure, there have been times at the end of the day when they will have been very interested in me and whatever conversation takes place after that final call, it becomes a factor that I don't end up getting the job. Um, but I think the niche that I've tried to carve out for myself without trying to pigeonhole, um, pigeonholing myself is because I am kind of a larger than life person, I attempt to find a larger than life quality in, in the characters and roles that I go after, be it um, a mythical creature in Frozen or like Buddy the Elf. Um, there's just a larger than life quality mm-hmm that my physicality kind of will support. And um, I think I've been able to find a full spectrum of that without limiting myself to just the monster or just the giant. Even though I played a monster and a giant um, in multiple shows, but um, I think it's, I've I've tried to find the broader understanding and the broader definition of of larger than life. And and that's what I go after for, for my career. Yeah. The kids notice it. We were talking before the the mics went on about you going to schools and them asking you about your bench or deadlift. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're sporting the What's Your Money Note Bro hoodie. Thanks for putting that on. Yeah, of course. You look great in it. (laughs) But um, when you're you're in the room, right, and you're thinking to yourself about just embracing the qualities of yourself, Mm -hmm. was there a time, though, before you came upon this, where you were kind of like, oh, I don't want to be the tall guy. Yep. Yeah. Can you? Definitely. Because I, wa- I want to get out there to our listeners that are 
that are in the business that are like, mm, if I only didn't have this about me. Yeah. I'll do a, like a little bit of a roundabout way of answering that. But yeah. when I teach students, a lot of the a lot of the questions boil down to like, what advice would you give? And I always say it's so much easier to say this than to actually learn this about yourself. But you really have to identify, um, define, and then embrace what makes you the most unique, and then exploit that in a room, like exploit that in your auditions, so that you stand out as a unique performer. And early on in my career, I always lied about my height. Like I didn't want to be as tall. I, I kind of took a couple of inches off because the only person in this industry that is six seven is Tommy Toon, and Tommy Toon is multiple Tony Award winner and, nom and nominee, and that's not what I am right now. So to be instantly referencing only one person was, I thought, pigeonholing myself, even though. He's a legend who's paved the way for tall dancers, and I thank him for that. But when I first started out, I wasn't as good at taking my own advice that I now give to students and kind of um, try to lie by an inch or two in order to get into the room and be seen. And it kind of worked to my advantage because I don't think on paper, if they didn't know who I was and how I performed, people wouldn't assume that I could dance at, at all. And thankfully, the early early on in my career, I'm, I made a career out of dancing in ensembles and, and understudying older roles by getting into the room and then being able to move as well I do, as I do for somebody my height. But it really came crashing down where I had like, I, I had a moment when I was being considered for The Greatest Showman. They were originally considering me for The Giant. So in the beginning stages of the audition process, it was to my advantage to be as tall as possible. Mm -hmm. And then they were starting to look for somebody who was actually over well over seven feet to play the part. And it was uh, Telsey casting company. And, and they told the team, you know, he can really dance, though, he could be considered for the other oddities. And at that when I went in for that, they were going around asking everybody's height. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> I was like, now I just told them I was really tall. Mm -hmm. And now I like, am finding myself like trying to default to my old behavior of, oh, I need to blend in. Yeah. And, I, and I didn't um, lie. And I was, I was on camera and I said, I'm 6'7". I'm and literally like since that point, like the movie happened and everything has kind of fallen into place. The moment that I started being like true to myself and to the industry about how tall I actually am. Yeah. You're currently in Hades Town. Mm -hmm. Congrats on the Tonys. Thanks. They're all at my house. Amazing. <laughs> I'm joking. I don't have they're, any of them. They're on your uh, they're, my mantle. On your baby grand. <laughs> yeah, I wish. Yeah, none of them are. Well, you're you're a recent homeowner. I am. Congrats. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. That's Thank awesome. You. Um, what you just kind of talked about, like after the movie, things just started to happen. Besides yeah. Hades Town, what other like cool things just started to come about? So when I was finishing filming Greatest Showman. My mother came into town to see one of the last days of filming. Once she found out that I could have like family members on set, she was like, I'm coming. So she came and um, during that uh, big circus tent scene um, in the finale, she was there for um, one of the big days of filming. But when she first got in, um, one of the cast members was sick. So they delayed that day. So we went to see a show that night, ran into the choreographer at the time for Frozen, um, Christopher Catelli, and we started talking about 
auditioning for Frozen. And I said, this is when I'm done with the movie. This is when I can start going in. And that that first day, I think I went in like five days later um, for my first audition for Frozen. And then I was finishing it as the movie was finishing. And I think like the week, it might have been one week after I wrapped, um, I got the call that I was going to be playing Pobby in Frozen. Yeah. Which was amazing. And then I... Your uh, debut? No. No, I, my debut was in Chaplin. Um, mm, yeah. Yeah, back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was amazing. Like I love that show. It was you did you saw that show? Yeah. Oh, amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a great, great company and mm-hmm. like such a wonderful um, experience for all of us. Yeah, and then that uh, I developed it out in Denver, um, did Broadway for the year, and then went straight into rehearsals for um, Haiti Sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Adam Perry and and John would always talk about Denver, the times in Denver. Yeah, and yeah. Frozen. Tell us. So, if for for those of you listening um, that are not aware. There, I'm not, we're not going to make a thing of this because we'll talk about it for three hours. But there's this time uh, during a curtain call mm-hmm. in Frozen, and uh, this man in the front row. He wasn't in the front row. Let's, oh, let's set oh, the oh, record tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. He came down from the balcony. Oh, he came down. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Even which is why why it caught my eye because somebody was coming down the aisle. The plot thickens. That yeah. He didn't even he didn't even pay good money to nope. hold that flag down there. No. 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 <laughs> So he, this man, he walks down from the balcony, um, and he's right in front of Tim, and he holds up this huge flag, and it's a Trump flag, right? Re- and, re-elect Trump 2020. There you go. Mm-hmm. And whether you agree with it or not, now is not the time, my friend. And Tim, like an animal, just like snatches this thing. It's like not today. <laughs> throws it out. <laughs> And, and, and that's that. So what I want to talk about sure. out of all of that is <laughs> on social media, it, oh, yeah. it went viral. Mm-hmm. How did your following or your presence change after that moment? And how have you used that uh, since then, whether it is to uh, be vocal about your, your beliefs or your stance on certain things? Within the next couple of days, I probably had... 10 to 12,000 new people following me. And I realized that 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 became a symbol for a lot of people of like their inner desires and their inner frustration in the current political environment. And I've always been politically active and um, in the know um, about current political situations and um, elections and candidates, et cetera. And I feel like it was this platform changed for me. It, it actually became a platform for the first time. Like it just, just by sheer numbers, I had the ability to not influence, but at least um, affect um, thousands of people. Mm-hmm. And it was it, it was a like the beginning of this momentum that I've continued to try to um, pick up on, um, not only to be. Um, an inspiration or try to be an inspiration in my career and what I do as a performer in show business and in my personal life. But now I try to use um, what I do in my personal life that is politically connected. I try to show as much as that as, uh, as possible and attempt to connect people with really important information when it comes to voting and when it comes to candidates and and where to get that information because I instantly became this like political icon in the in the Broadway community I mean 
I wouldn't say that it was like an iconic moment, but I do think people see it as that, which yeah. is humbling. And, it was and, immensely metaphoric. Yes. <laughs> immensely. Yeah. Um, speaking of things about off the stage or, or things that are outside, I, I like to get into, it's kind of segueing from that, I like to get into things uh, for um, actors that have hobbies or things that they enjoy outside of the arts because I think mental health-wise, it's important to live a, a well-rounded life, a, a life of being a person in theater and not a theater person. For sure. Um, what are kind of uh, those things for you? I, I don't know where I first heard the quote, but somebody once said to me, like, interesting people make really interesting actors. And I think that's part of, part of that is having a really interesting life outside of acting. Um, for me, I try to balance it out with, uh, I do a lot of teaching um, and, and would love to continue to do more. Um, I attempt to um, read a, a lot. I see a lot of movies. I mean, I try to take advantage of like what the amazing cultural opportunities that are in New York City. I try to stay well read on political situations and um, hot topics that are um, important to me. Um, You're in a bowling league. I'm in a bowling league. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily call that a hobby. I mean, that's a fun social event for sure. Well, th for me, those count too. The hobbies, the social, what. Yeah, allows you to unwind or to keep yourself well-rounded. So all of those things you listed, obviously, keep uh, in those parameters. Um, speaking of hobbies, you picked up fitness at a time in your life and, and career. It wasn't always with you, right, from the very jump of your career? No. How did, how did it help you not only in your career, um, but once again, like just as a person, that discipline or that practice of fitness? Well, I first, I think I first started really working out intensely when I did Carnival up at Goodspeed Opera, and I wasn't wearing a shirt for the for, for the entire show. Um, and I was like, oh gosh, <laughs> okay, I have to start work, actually working out and be more regimented in my routine. And then I found that that is kind of part of my niche that I've created, that these larger-than-life characters are often stronger um, and represent uh, strength. Um, so having more weight on my actual body helped me as somebody who was younger and very tall, because height reads older on stage, and then weight usually reads older on stage. So mm -hmm. both kind of started working to my advantage as I put on more muscle mass. But I started like taking dance class later um, in my life. I was not in ballet class when I was four or five. I really decided when I was deciding to pursue um, this as a major and possibly a career going to college, I started taking dance class back in Wisconsin. So I didn't start taking until I was about 16 or 17. So I didn't have like the core strength that a lot of the other students mostly young girls who'd been actually training and doing bar since age three, four, and five. And I was really guided beautifully by some wonderful dance teachers in college who helped like set me off on um, a path to be really strengthening my core. And I think the fitness element of it 
the gym aspect of trying to also look stronger, combining those two has really helped me tremendously. I think it's the reason why I can move the way I move. I, I've always been diligent about stretching and, and staying flexible and attempting to have as much um, lean muscle as possible and not get too boxy and, and bulky mm-hmm. in order to still be able to have grace and fluidity in my movement. And I think as long as I've tr- tried to maintain that balance of defining muscle and having strength, but also keeping grace and fluidity um, in my movement and in my in, in my body has really helped define who I am as a performer. Well, it's working. You look great in your Hades down Hades Town costume for sure, and just how you are as a performer and a, and a dancer. I haven't seen Hades Town uh, yet. I saw you in Frozen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, fingers crossed on getting myself to Hades Town for sure. You should come check us out. So, obviously. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> Segwaying into Hadestown um, to kind of wrap up our conversation uh, for today, what's something in this iconic story that uh, relates to you the most on a nightly or daily basis, depending on a matinee or evening show, that when you come into that world, it just f- it fills you in some way, something specific in the story? I think the beauty of the story is how how many layers of humanity are within the story. And I think why I am so connected to it every night and why it's such a thrill for me to perform is because every night I feel like I tap into something that's a little bit different. The The first thing that that struck me about the, um, the poetry and, and the amazing aesthetic that Aeneas, our composer and Rachel, our director, created is this uh, trust in yourself and faith and trust in your partner in a relationship. I think on like a basic human level, those themes are really, really powerful and explored beautifully through the two different love stories. Um, But each night it kind of hits me differently, Mm. which I think speaks to uh, what a beautiful piece of art it is, is that it's not feeling like I'm tapping into the same thing and it doesn't feel f- like I have to force something um, to happen. Literally sitting back and, and kind of listening and just reacting when you have really amazing material is, is so much easier to do. And thankfully with this production, I, I feel that. So I feel like it totally varies, mm. but at the core, it's rooted in so much humanity that it's a very visceral response for me as an actor, for our company, and when you come see the show, for the audience. And that's what makes the experience so cool. Just give us one moment for those of, that don't really know the story or don't haven't seen any video or any material. What's one of those things that you tap into in the show? Like a, like a scene, a song, an a, a eye contact between you and another character, something that always is like, mm, I'm always there there's a moment in um in act two when we're singing the um, reprise of wait for me wait for me too and starts with andre de shields talking about the real enemy is the is inside your head like the inner demons of doubt um that you have to fight against and then we start marching behind 
Reeve and like we're there to support him, even if he's starting to doubt himself. Mm -hmm. um, and then Eva, as Eurydice jumps out and she's like wails on this amazing um, belting part. And then we all are singing this incredibly um, cool jazz chord. And then we all like sink down into the stage. It's mm. so cool, mm. but it speaks to that sense of community. Like it's the, the amazing strength of what we can do together, the amazing depiction of what it means to lead a group and, and to lead um, from a place of hope. And then like the intimacy of her, like his partner, like his love, his lover, like having his back. Mm. I think it's like the culmination of so many amazing things, but that moment gets me every night. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I hope that uh, you all will check out Timothy on his Instagram, Timothy R. Hughes. You got a website? Nope. He doesn't need one, folks. Just go to his Insta um, or, uh, yeah, go to Town. Go to the show. Check him out um, outside the stage door. Um, don't ask him how much he benches. Ask him, why are you so talented? All right? um, don't ask me if I play basketball either. Don't ask if he's an NBA player. <laughs> are, are, are you in the NBA? No, I'm a Broadway You uh, just saw star. me in the show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, well, thanks uh, for visiting, Tim. Thanks for really having me. Really appreciate it. All right, guys, that'll do it on Built for the Stage podcast. Once again, if you want to try a free trial, go to the website, builtforthestage.com, fill out your name and email, or go to the Insta, follow us at Built for the Stage, and shoot us a DM. Once again, thanks for uh, producing this Broadway Podcast Network. If you want to check out a gazillion amazing Broadway podcasts, go to bpn.fm. If you want to look at the different uh, or amazing episodes that we have on Built for the Stage, you can go to bpn.fm slash Built for the Stage. All right, until next time, it's me, Roscoe, signing off. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.